Um, friends, we've been separated for a while. We've been connecting um, on Zoom in home church gatherings, and we've been watching some outstanding preachers and worship sessions uh, with Peter and Alicia and then preachers from my mom and Jacques. It's been a very rich season. And then last week, of course, we got to meet again in our home church gatherings, and it was just glorious. There was such a, a sense of bubbling delight to be able to be together again. But this morning, I just want to take a moment to take stock of what the Holy Spirit is doing with us as a community, to kind of just focus on what He's been saying and doing. And first of all, there is definitely a beautiful brewing revival in our midst. And I think the, the, the word that Rob brought this morning is so apt. It's a revival of every part of our lives. It's the Holy Spirit flowing into and us giving ownership to Him of every aspect of our lives. And I'll remind you of a prophetic word in 2018 that um, Bridget Forbes gave us where she said the working of the Spirit in our lives and community would be like a thunderstorm that grows in Johannesburg, just grows and grows until the clouds are so saturated. It just pours here, but it actually pours even wider than our community. And that's, that's what we're, we're pregnant with in a sense, right? And there's this beautiful um, increasing work of the, the Holy Spirit in our lives individually and as a community. And then there's something of a reformation happening, I believe, where there's a rebuilding of places in our lives individually and as a global body, um, places that may not have had the most secure foundations or that may have grown distorted. You know, like when you go um, house hunting and an owner has had a house and, you know, it was a small house to start with and then every consecutive owner has added like a room for their needs and eventually you walk into the structure and like this actually just does not make sense as a whole um, as a body in some ways I think we've grown distorted globally in different things emphasizing what is good but not maybe putting Jesus at the very center and so there's this beautiful reformation happening at the moment and here at the collective we are clay in the potter's hands we are being molded by the Holy Spirit to look more and more and more like Jesus. We are learning to be a family fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit and to live like Jesus did in full surrender and dependence on Him. And it is a beautiful and exciting and wonderful journey to be sharing together. We're in Christ and the Holy Spirit is teaching us to be more and more Christ-like and we are loving the journey. What a beautiful adventure. I want to read from um, Romans 8 in the message because I think this gives a really good description as to what I feel is, is happening uh, globally. It's, and the message is a paraphrase. It's not actually a translation of the Bible, okay? But Eugene Peterson has done this amazing job of taking the essence and of, of, of the heart of the message and of Scripture and being able to make it almost into a word picture, into a conversation. That's why I like the message. But um, I always encourage you, go home and read um, the ESV or the NIV or, you know, different translations to kind of root yourself in the word. But Romans 8 from the message says, All around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're feeling the birth pangs. These bodies of ours are yearning for a full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother 
we are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. If you look on the news, the birth pangs of a creation desperate for the restoration of Jesus is evident. And the Spirit is actually rising up within us in that same way, longing for more of the kingdom of God, more of Jesus to be made real in this earth. And of course, that will be completely fulfilled when He comes back and He reigns on earth in His coming kingdom. But right now, through our lives, through the body, there is also the kingdom being made real here on earth now, heaven coming to earth through us. And so this time where there's these birth pains around us is not a um, passive time. It's like being a mother that is expecting a baby. We are holding the promises of God for our lives, for our community, for what He wants to do with planet earth, with humanity. We are holding those things and we are actively expectant. We are being enlarged in the waiting. It's a beautiful process. Jacques, he spoke a little bit about that in his preach, about carrying hope, carrying active expectation that the promises of God are not just sort of a nice thing to refer to intellectually, but we're working with the Spirit to see the reality of the kingdom of heaven being made real on the earth today. Romans 8 goes on to say, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity that he restored. And we see the original and intended shape of our lives in Jesus. He is the only model. He is a picture of us. He is the one in which our lives are being shaped in the likeness of the firstborn son. Um, for, for those of you who've watched The Chosen, we've actually only watched the first couple of episodes. We haven't watched the second season. But there's this, you watch Jesus in action. This divine King of Kings, the Son of God in human form. And it's, it like wrecks you. It is so beautiful. The way that he brings the reality of his relationship with the Father, the reality of heaven through relationship into the world around him. That is who we are. I realize they've taken some license and it's not completely scriptural, but it's certainly a beautiful essence and story that, that awakes that, that desire for that authenticity to look like Christ. So the birthing revival and reformation that's happening is really that the, the body of Christ would be shaped into the likeness of Jesus, that the body would continue the life and work of Jesus by the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. A Jesus movement shaped like Jesus. Aren't you guys done with like all the other stuff. We want a Jesus movement shaped like Jesus. I want to look like the firstborn son. The, you know, and everything finds its rightful place when he is the very center. And so at this time, he is using the storms, the challenges, the difficulty of the season to deepen our roots as we come, become fully established in his nature in his goodness, in the finished work of the cross, and in walking in friendship with the Holy Spirit. 
Many of us are undergoing something of a season of deepening our roots or underpinning foundations. And the definition of underpinning is to support a structure from below by laying a solid foundation underground level or substituting stronger for weaker materials. I feel like that's exactly what's happening. Like in areas where you, you step on it and like it just falls through, whether it's like emotional things or things we've been hanging on to, sin patterns or um, patterns of thinking or unforgiveness, whatever it is, and you step on there and it breaks through. The Holy Spirit's like, no, we're going to strengthen that foundation because the work of the Spirit now and in the months and years to come needs the strength of being having those foundations fully established in His nature and in the finished work of the cross and in friendship with the Holy Spirit. So we never want to outgrow, friends, our full dependence on the, on the gift of, of salvation, the glorious gospel of grace. And you'll hear me say this over and over and over because it's like we tend to think we um, outgrow it, like we mature from it. But the gospel of grace is we receive it in childlike faith, faith in the initial born again experience, but we receive the reality of the gospel in childlike faith every single day. The glory, the grace, and the goodness of God in our lives. Romans 5 says, verse 1 and 2, that by faith, we have access to the glorious grace of God. That faith is that childlike trust. In childlike trust, I have access to what salvation really is, which is, yes, the forgiveness of sins, but it is also healing. It is also blessing. It is also prosperity of the soul. And in, in other ways, it is the goodness and the richness and the favor and the grace of God. And I receive it how? Like I received my initial born again experience like a child like a child. And so we never want to stray from this. Galatians says, we do not keep this as an idea in our big intellectual heads or a sweet sentiment in our little hearts. Like, oh, that's so sweet. That's so nice. Or understand it intellectually. No, we work out the implication of the gospel and of salvation into every detail of our lives. And as a community, as a leadership, as friends, that is what we're journeying together. We are so pumped and excited of that adventure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> of massaging the, the reality of the finished work of the cross into every aspect of our lives. So I'm going to start here with Romans 6. Again, I'm reading from the message just because I really like the picture analogy that Eugene Peterson uses here, and I'm going to build on that. Um, this preach is entitled, Our New Country. And um, so I'm going to work with the beautiful picture that he uses to illustrate salvation. Okay. We have left the country where sin is sovereign. How can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize that we packed up and left there for good? That is what happens in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind, and we came out of the water and entered a new country of grace, a new life in a new land. The NIV says we have been united in a death like Jesus, so we will be united in a resurrection like his. So I'm going to use this picture analogy, okay? We, like the pilgrims that longed for a new world, have come from an old country where sin was sovereign. And we were born sinners into a sinful, fallen world. Our home country was a place of fear and shame and separation. 
because Romans 5 tells us when Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered the human experience and death was the result. Death followed sin and it cast this shadow over all humanity. And we lived under this low-lying black cloud of fear and shame and sin. But the Holy Spirit wooed us with the call of our true home in the Father. And salvation was something like boarding one of those old ships and setting sail for a whole new world. Like the pilgrims who heard of a brand new world waiting for for them on the other side of the ocean. But friends, we packed up and we left the old country for good. We cannot go back there. That country where sin is sovereign. You can't go back. We burnt the ships. We lit a match. The ships are burnt. The old world is dead to us. We've left the past behind. We've waved goodbye. We've broken our ties. And the brave new world lies ahead. A new country of grace. A new life in a new land. And the glorious climax of the gospel is that you are not alone to adventure in that land. You have been given a guide, the Holy Spirit, a friend, a comforter, an encourager to walk alongside or with you and inside of you. And that's so powerful. So let me just go over this. We died. This, the story in Romans 6 is the co, co, co. We were co-crucified with Christ We were buried with him and now we have been resurrected into new life. We died to our own old sinful selves. And so we can't actually keep living with sin. Do we have old sin patterns? Sure. Do we have poor patterns of thinking, emotional habits? Sure, because it's a result of growing up in a fallen world and building a paradigm frame on a culture that is not based on the Holy Spirit and the culture of heaven. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to transform our lives and our minds by the renewing of our minds to live in the finished work of the cross, which is our old sinful self is dead. God did not just pull sin out of you, uh, pull, pull you out of sin. He pulled sin completely out of you and you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Much more than just the forgiveness of the old self, like a refurbishment or um, a restoration. No, you have actually been reborn. The complete annihilation of the old self. God sank the whole ship. It is a glorious gospel. And so we start, our starting point in life has to be that we are brand new creations. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All of that is related to the old order has vanished. Everything is fresh and new. Now that may not feel true, but it is true. And we as sons and daughters need to learn to live in friendship with the Holy Spirit in that reality, in a greater and greater and greater measure. Because the circumstances that surround us or our emotional baggage or our sinful habits, whatever, just like doesn't feel real, but that is the glorious, too good to be true gospel. And now the Holy Spirit has given us to teach us how to live as those brand new creations. And that's why we can't, we can't leave this ever. Like Romans 6, 7, 5, 6, 7, and 8, it's gold. Um, my, my auntie Lena actually said to me during the week that she challenged herself to learn Romans 8 by heart. I promised I wouldn't ask her to recite it this morning, 
But isn't that beautiful? It's like the distilled gospel. We, we, we've got to bring our, our focus, our hearts, our minds back to that truth day after day. And now the Holy Spirit wants to teach us to, dwell, to build and dwell as a new creation in this new grace sovereign land that we live in, being citizens of heaven, being um, seated with Christ in heavenly places. And it's a great and glorious adventure to learn to live in our inheritance as sons and daughters. It is a learning. It is a growing. It is a going from glory to glory. Um, The expression of his faith is growing in us. And it's really the essence of that is having our mind. When I say mind, I like the heart-mind connection renewed by the Holy Spirit. We're continually awakened to the truth of what Christ has already accomplished in the finished work of the cross. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's like, let's bring springtime again to this dead thinking. Let me remind you of what has already been accomplished for you in this mysterious and yet childlike simplicity of the too good to be true gospel message of grace. It's just so, so, so exciting. And so the Holy Spirit is awakening us to realize more and more of who God is, who Jesus is, who the Spirit is, what He has done for us, and daring us to believe that we are who He says we are. I believe this is a season for sons and daughters to rise in their true identity. Holy Spirit is teaching us to be what we are. And I thank you for that amen, brother, from up there. (laughs) Our very lives, the colliding of heaven to earth. Romans 8 from the message, the best thing to do is give that old life a decent burial and get on with your new life. Guys, I get quite amped about Romans 8. (laughs) God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and there are places to go. It is actually a glorious adventure. The resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. We're not going back to that old country to look after all the shame and all the fear and all the sin. No, we burnt the ships. We are learning to live in the new country of grace. And that doesn't diminish that we have struggles and we have challenges, but we need to start with that we're a brand new creation. If you start with that, then you can figure out how the Holy Spirit wants to work in all the different aspects of our life. It is an adventurous, expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what is next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we are, Father and children. So here we are, children of God, sons and daughters, in this world that is full of these childbirthing pangs, longing for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed, longing for Jesus to continue and and work out the finished work of the cross, even into the fullness of creation being restored. And here we are, so how do we live? And I want to give us just a few thoughts in unpacking this this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to build and dwell as sons and daughters. And there's a key here for me um, that we find in Jeremiah 29, where Jeremiah writes a letter to the exiles. The um, Israelites are exiles in Babylon. 
And I think it's a really beautiful letter because we, in a sense, are exiles here on earth, right? We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are citizens of heaven. Our, our Heaven is our home. We are seated with Jesus, but we are here. So this letter is actually a really great encouragement. Jeremiah is, is saying, this is what God says, how you should live uh, in Babylon, but not of Babylon. Okay. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel said to all of those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We love Johannesburg. We are here and we We'll pray for the prosperity of this city because as it prospers, we prosper. It's a beautiful positioning. This, is, this letter to the exiles is, exiles is almost back to the original mandate that the father gave Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Spread out, be fruitful and multiply and bring the goodness and delight and relationship of this garden to the chaos of the world around us. That is what Jeremiah is saying to the exiles. Bring what your life and actually spread out and multiply, build and dwell. And as reborn sons and daughters, can we receive that original mandate from the Father? The mandate that was given in Eden to sons and daughters, that we would multiply and spread and take of our relationship with the Father, of the reality of being included in the family of the Trinity and build that into our lives and let that spread out by building and settling down and planting gardens. Let your life be a salvation garden to those around you. If you don't believe this is your mandate, you are going to be shrinking and not spreading. You are going to be hiding instead of rising in your identity as sons and daughters. Friends, we need to settle down and find out what it means to be God's sons and daughters, God's people in this world. I believe that it can be the most creative and exciting period in history. The world is certainly a crazy place, but we are not going to lose our identity. In fact, we are not going to be conformed to the patterns of this culture or the thinking of this world we are going to discover our identity as the Holy Spirit leads us. We are going to focus our eyes on devotion in Jesus, reflect again and again on the glorious news of the gospel, and learn to walk step by step with the Holy Spirit. It may be uncomfortable and we may want to run, but God is wanting us to flourish right here, right now and bring the reality of the kingdom of God in and through our lives. We are going to start acting in hope. We are going to start defying the impossible. Like, go if you haven't listened to Jackie's preach, go and listen. It's so good. Hope commits us to actions that are based on God's promises and not on the circumstances around us. So we carry the hope of the promises of God actually being fulfilled. I believe we are going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. 
Circumstances don't always feel like that, but that is the promise. We're going to see the goodness, the kingdom of God in our lifetime. And so we carry these, these promises. And as we live as sons and daughters, we are actually building and dwelling in a reality that the world hasn't yet seen because we are beginning to live in the promises of God that are not yet visible to the world around us. So how do we, how do we live this new life? Um, and this is... This is a word that's coming up again and again and again in the collective community, and that is we abide. We work from abiding. We live from abiding, and we don't want to ever leave that place. Um, John 15 says, I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless, okay? So we are learning to live from abiding where Jesus is the very source of everything we do. We are not getting on a horse like, oh, this is now our big cause. We are gonna do this and make this the focus. No, Jesus is our full focus of all our devotion and all our attention. And out of that flows a fruitfulness, flows our work, flows. Then we don't grow distorted. Then we grow healthy and we grow fruitful. We left toil, striving and self at the cross for union with Christ, for participation, for working from rest, trust and love. The Holy Spirit wants to transform our thinking on work. And I think this is probably one, you know, something that will, will be spoken into over the months ahead. We need to transform some of our thinking. You were created to be his poetry, your life a letter or a poem written by God speaking his truth to the world around you. And so there are good works for all of us to do. The glorious gospel of grace says you don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn brownie points with the Father. Nothing you do can make him love you more. But you get to, you get to participate in the great adventure of life with the Holy Spirit and bringing the life of Jesus in and through our spheres of infants. It's, it's the greatest adventure of all. So I'm quickly going to do this demonstration here of two approaches to life, okay? And I want you just to sit with this picture um, and let the Holy Spirit just speak to you. But it's called boxes versus branches, Okay. So the traditional view of how to approach life is like a pie chart where we divide our life into sections and a mature, well-balanced person has time for all the important things, okay? So we've got time for God and we've got time for family and we've got time for work, okay? Or maybe you've got, depending on who you are, you've got maybe work and family and then we've got time for exercise, maybe exercise. <laughs> and then we've got time for relaxing, maybe on top there. And then we've got time for Netflix as well, <laughs> right on the top. And that's how we approach our life, right? Our diary looks like some kind of pie broken up into these different categories. But the problem is, is that we tend to focus on each one separately. So um, this is my time with Jesus, Right, I'm doing my time with Jesus. Now I'm doing Netflix. Okay, now I'm doing exercise. Now I'm doing family. Now I'm doing work. And they're like, 
separate boxes of how we operate and how we approach things. And I want to suggest that there's a different way to approach how we live, okay? The Christ-centered life. And I'm going to use this plant as as an example. He is the stem, okay? He is the central source of everything that we do. And so each leaf would represent the different aspects of our life. We have work, and we have family, and we have recreation, and we have Netflix time, and we have exercise, but they all come from the source of life, which is Christ himself. Nothing is separate from him. Everything comes out of relationship. So that's so beautiful. So from abiding, the Holy Spirit wants to teach us that every part of our life actually comes from that. And this is really important because Sometimes, like, if our work life is thriving, then we're like, oh, that's, like, really, really alive, you know? But then our our family can be really, like, not thriving. When you understand this, every part of your life that he's called you to live, if one leaf is sick, the whole whole plant is going to be sick. Everything has to come from the health of the stem. And so I just want to leave this picture with you. And I'd like the Holy Spirit to teach us from this place of abiding in union. We grafted into Jesus. Let every part of our life actually flow from that relationship instead of separate sections and approaching it like that. Okay. God wants a people that serve him for the delight of knowing him. It's the heart of worship and devotion, not to get something out, but that relationship. Everything with God is relational, okay? What happens here is that we're kind of self is the center, and then self works out what it should do, okay? Here, Christ is the center, and self cannot be satisfied in any aspect without Christ, Because you cannot actually be satisfied in work. That cannot be your source of life. The source of life is Christ. So we need to get to that place where the pleasure of relationship with him feeds everything in our life. And we don't make this the place where we get delight or this the place where we get delight. No, self is actually grafted into Jesus and everything that we do flows from that. And everything needs to be measured in its health of the connection to the life of Jesus. I love it when I just hear my old friends. It's so beautiful (laughs) that it's actually making sense. So um, I'm going to skip this just for time's sake. And um, I'm going to go to this. I want to clarify that from abiding, work and fruitfulness comes. Okay, we are created for work and that the Holy Spirit wants to reshape our understanding of what work looks like, taking us back, I believe, to the purpose in the Garden of Eden, our our original purpose as sons and daughters. My mom reminded me of a beautiful story of William Wilberforce, okay, where that is portrayed in the movie Amazing Grace. So William Wilberforce was a British politician, a philanthropist, and a leader of the movement to to abolish the slave trade. And in 1785, he became an evangelical Christian, and it resulted in major changes to his lifestyle. And sorry, I'm just getting the sun. 
and a lifelong concern for reform. And there's this beautiful scene where William has a deep encounter with the Lord and he's lying in the grass of his manor house garden and he's looking at a spider web and he's marveling at the magnificence of creator God. He is in the space of abiding and his butler comes and says to him, you're called to the House of Lords for a meeting in the painful struggle for the abolition of slavery. And for me, that is this beautiful picture of the interwoven connection between abiding. And you see this like, oh, no, you know, I have to go now. He kind of pulls himself away from that place of devotion and wonder and delight with God to work. But then, of course, that work is an overflow from that place of abiding that changes us so deeply that we have to carry the heart of God and, and, and the heart of Jesus into the world through the work that we do. I long to see more stories like Wilberforce and even the Quakers in our lives and communities. We do already and we say, even more, Lord. The Quakers were this group of believers that were established in personal relationship with Jesus and in the work of the Holy Spirit in their midst they actually saw themselves as a movement restoring early Christianity or the essence of the first church, which is really interesting. Uh, that's how they got the name Quakers. They were often moved by the Spirit in their meetings, trembling or quaking. And of course, they formed businesses like um, Lloyd's Bank and Barclays and Cadbury's Chocolate. They were actively involved in philanthropic efforts, including the abolition of slavery, prison reform, and social justice. Building from abiding. And so I'm going to end with this, friends. What part of the wall are you created to build? Of course, that question would refer to the story from the scriptural account of Nehemiah, which is an Old Testament story. Nehemiah was called by God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the whole book is about rebuilding. He, he becomes the visionary um, that brings a group of people together that rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. Um, and Ezra is the teacher and they rebuild. But even in that, it's an incomplete picture because they never are able to actually establish the power of the temple again until Jesus does that. Okay, so it's only Jesus can, that can be the true rebuilder. But the story is a beautiful picture and analogy for us on rebuilding. So I'm going to pick out a few things from the story just to highlight us this morning. Nehemiah means comfort. The name Nehemiah means comfort, which of course is the name for the Holy Spirit. And so it's the Holy Spirit who is the great rebuilder. Only he can rebuild the human heart from stone to flesh. And I want to um, set the stage for what you and I are called to do in terms of rebuilding from Isaiah 61 verse 4. Isaiah 61, of course, you all know it well. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the captives and prisoners, um, to comfort those who mourn, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They, you and I, will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Of course, this beautifully describes the work and life of Jesus, 
which continues through you and I in the work and life of the church, okay? This is our mandate. This is the Holy Spirit on us, anointing us to bring this reality to the world around us. I want to highlight verse four. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Friends, we are called to rebuild broken places and broken lives. And it is not really difficult to see the broken places and lives around us. Just have a little look outside of your window. And there are so many sad and broken and struggling situations and circumstances and lives and hearts. And we are called to partner with the Holy Spirit in rebuilding and restoring the broken places to come alongside people, to love and rebuild and bring hope, not just look and say, oh, that is too bad. You know, the world, you know, that's not really my responsibility. No, the Father loves people. He loves humanity. And it is our honor to partner with the Holy Spirit to rebuild places and hearts and lives that are broken. Just three or four things from the story of Nehemiah, the laborers who carried, um, who, who carried on the work of rebuilding the wall carried two things with them. In one hand, they carried a sword and in the other, a trowel. What a beautiful picture of what we are called and created to do, that we carry a sword, the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God in one hand, and we build with the other hand. It's both. It's from the abiding. It's from the power of the Spirit. It's from our fellowship with Him that we actually get to build, which is so beautiful. Secondly, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's Nehemiah 8 verse 10. As we feed on God's faithfulness, that is the way that we sustain the work that we are created to do. The work, life gets challenging, it gets exhausting, it gets hard. But when you feast on his goodness and his faithfulness, it becomes your strength that you continue to live by. And so we are becoming a testimony sharing community because as we look back on what God has done, it is the fuel of feasting on his goodness for all that he is going to do in the future. Isn't that so beautiful? We, need, we want to learn to feast um, in the face of our enemies on his goodness and his kindness to us and what he has already done. And uh, that sustains us in joy and excitement for what lies ahead. Nehemiah did not hide in his privilege and profile as a cupbearer, but he used his position to make a difference. And I think that's so important for us. That's the Jesus life. Jesus took on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but he humbled himself even to death. That is the Jesus way. That is being shaped in the likeness of Jesus. Not that we would live in the blessing and the favor and the goodness of God in a white ivory tower, but that actually we would serve and love and repair the broken places as the Lord reveals and calls you by His Spirit. Um, I want to say this again. We're not now making this the main thing. Now, what does rebuilding look like? This is going to be the main focus. No, the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to rebuild in our sphere of influence from abiding. As he reveals this person, I know at school, 
oh my goodness, I've got an idea for this business. Uh, This person, I need to make more time for this person. I can give like this a church community. All of those things are led by our relationship with the Spirit. They don't become our cause, okay? Friends, I'm going to end here. Beloved sons and daughters, we're going to work from abiding, from full devotion in partnership with the Trinity. Can I pray for us? My favorite prayer from um, Proverbs 8. Is that good? Can we stand? Do you want to play? Is it fine? It sounds so much better, the prayer, when Peter's playing and the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. (laughs) Okay, so my favorite prayer, and I've prayed it for 10 years, is from Proverbs 8. And I'm just going to pray it, pray the scripture over us. Holy Spirit, will you give us wisdom? In the busyness of life, living in this crazy, busy city at this crazy, busy time in the history of the world, will you teach us how to live well, how to live as sons and daughters? We just open our hearts this morning, Holy Spirit. We love walking in friendship with you. We love the adventure of life with you. And we just want to open our hearts again this morning for you to continue to renew our minds in the likeness of Jesus. Renew our minds in the finished work of the cross. And I pray over us as a community that God's sons and daughters would arise in confidence from abiding in our life union with you, Jesus. I thank you for a confidence and a courage that begins to rise up in our hearts as sons and daughters that comes from our beautiful and simple abiding and devotion to you, Jesus. We just wanna thank you for the too good to be true, bigger than we could ever understand gospel of Jesus, the gospel of grace that has taken us from a life of sin and separation and reborn us into the life of Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. And I thank you for a season where we begin to live in that fullness, live in that inheritance in a greater and greater, more glorious and more glorious reality as you teach us, Holy Spirit. So we just thank you this morning for your brooding, Holy Spirit brooding over our hearts, friends, the same way that He did at creation, brooding over our hearts and our lives bringing to life dead things, bringing to life dormant things, waking us up again with a fresh excitement to the reality of Jesus and His presence with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.